Well, good morning, everyone. I am so glad you are here. Welcome to the 1030 AM service, or whenever you're watching this, we are so glad you're here. If you have a Bible or a Bible app, could you please turn in the New Testament to Mark chapter 12, verse 30? Uh, that's where we're going to be today. We're also going to look at Galatians chapter 2. But what we've been doing the past few months is we've been uh, in a series called Establish. And what this series is about is going through the story of the Bible. We start from Genesis. We're going to end in Revelation. Um, and what we've been looking at is who is God? Who are his people? What are his plans? What are his purposes? And so we've been looking um, at that. And in the in the past few weeks, what we've been doing is going through specifically the life of Jesus. As we've kind of come into the New Testament, we've been looking at um, Jesus's mission, uh, his ministry, and today we're looking at Jesus's message. And I can't help compare it to kind of like watching a movie. Now, if your family is anything like mine, during this time of quarantine, we probably watched more movies than we should. Um, but, you know, we, we sit on the couch, we get the family together because we can't go to theaters right now. And so, you know, we get the popcorn with the light butter and the diet soda, hoping that it cancels, you know, they cancel each other out. And we're ready. We're ready for uh, to watch something to where we're going to escape. It's going to take us somewhere. It's going to give us a message. It's going to give us, you know, entertainment, all of these things. And it's kind of like what we've been doing. So first, you know, one of the reasons that we watch movies is for, you know, the mission of the movie. What's the mission of the movie? To give us a new world to look at, right? Uh, or a new scenario or something that we can relate to uh, from our perspective, or what life could be like with this new adventure, or through laughter, drama, love, all those things. And that's what we saw a couple weeks ago with Jesus's mission. Like we wanted Jesus, or the people of the story wanted Jesus to come in and to just wipe out their enemies, take away their problems, and just come with power and rule. But Jesus comes with power, but it's motivated by love. And what he does with that power, with that love, is he shows us, actually, we have the same problem as our enemies. We're sick and we need Jesus. We can't do this on our own. And that is the mission of Christ. He came to heal the sick, which is all of us. And then as we're watching, you know, the movie makes us feel certain ways, right? It serves us. It entertains us. Uh, it brings up uh, you know, our imaginations go crazy through the special effects, action sequences, um, all that stuff that's just trying to keep us interested, trying to keep us invested in the story. And that's what we saw last week with Jesus's ministry. Now, when I heard that we were going through Jesus's ministry, I thought it was going to be, let's look at what uh, Jesus did. Let's look at the miracles and just be in awe of who he is. But Pastor Greg took it a step further. He said, no, the reason that Jesus ministry is the way that it is, is so that you see not just, oh, wow, what a good guy. No, that you need him, that you need bigger problems in your life. You need a bigger power. You need a bigger plan. And it only comes through a bigger leader, through a bigger God. And that was the ministry of Jesus. And then, you know, as we continue watching the movie, you know that it's a good movie when you're able to take the message and you take it with you, right? You tell your friends, you write a good review about it. Like that's what the movie makers want you to do, to hear the message of why they created this. Here's the story. Now go tell other people. 
And, you know, you, you leave with a mantra, or you leave with a saying, like if you watch Titanic, you know, my heart will go on, something like that. I'm still waiting for the sequel. I think that's going to be a great movie. But no, you, you come out of the movie and like if you walk out with or if you finish watching a sports movie, you come out with the idea that you can do it. Just be true to yourself. Overcome adversity. It's all about you. Uh, there's other messages like pay it forward, do something for other people, live long and prosper, goonies never die, like good <laughs> messages that we are to take. And in the same way, Jesus has a message for us, not one that we have to create, but it's the message that he has been saying, that God has been saying to his people throughout our entire journey um, through establish. And so in Mark chapter 12, verse 30, it says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second command is this, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And in verse 40, all the law and the writings of the prophets depend on these two commands. So what Jesus is doing here, he, he's in a conversation with teachers of that time, and he's answering their questions about life and eternity and what it looks like. And somebody finally just says, what? What's the greatest commandment? What's the whole purpose of life? And Jesus reminds us that the message of God's people is what they've been praying all along. Because this verse just echoes Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. This, it's all about God. So love him with all that you are. And then Jesus extends that by saying, this is not just good news for a person. This is good news for all people. And throughout Jesus's ministry, he clarifies how this will happen. How will we love God and others? How will we do that? Well, we'll do it through his death and resurrection, the only thing that makes it possible. And we see in Matthew 16, from that time on, Jesus began telling his followers that he must go to Jerusalem, where the Jewish elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of the law would make him suffer many things. He told them he must be killed and then be raised from the dead on the third day. So the message of Jesus is that we are to love God and others, and this is only made possible through him. Now, at this part of the sermon, this is where I would typically go verse by verse and showing you the message of Christ, that we can see it in scripture. This is what it says, um, and we go through that. However, I want to do something a little bit different. For those who might prefer the movie over the book. Uh, I need to be careful because it's a great book, but maybe you just want to see what this looks like visually. Well, a couple years ago, uh, I think about two years ago, a few of us got together and we created a visual for the Christian message. What used to be the blue card is now the Christian message. Um, you can actually check it out on christianmessage.app.app. And this is uh, an evangelistic tool to just walk through someone, walk someone that you know, a friend, um, walk through the message of Christ and have a discussion about this. And so we created this little visual um, that was based off Pastor Greg's words. It's awesome. Uh, and then Argy, uh, who's awesome. She did, uh, she did the artwork. And then we had Jan doing the film work. And then I was there too. I just ordered pizza for everyone. But without that pizza, this would not have been <laughs> what it was. Um, but all it is, is just a visual explanation of what the Christian message is. Now you might be thinking, Matt, we're about to watch a video. Aren't you supposed to be preaching? Well, it's my voice on the video, so I think it still counts, okay? Uh, but as we watch this video, here's what I would ask of you. If this is the first time 
that you are hearing this message, I would ask you to write down some questions and possibly even share your thoughts with someone after this. Uh, like, what is this message about? Like, please receive it, listen to it, and then talk about it. And if maybe this is like, you've heard this message over and over, I would ask you at this time to listen to this message, but imagine who could you be sharing this with? Who is someone in your life right now, whether you're in contact with them or you're not yet, that you could share this message with them? So without further ado, the Christian message. You know, everyone wants a happy and fulfilling life. The question is, who do we trust to be our source of fulfillment? Is it self, people, science, religion, money? What follows is a brief outline of the Christian message. It'll help you discover what it looks like to trust God as your source. While there are many religions and beliefs, the Bible says that there are only two spiritual kingdoms. One is ruled by God, the other by self. God's kingdom is full of love, peace, and joy. Because he is a safe leader, he uses his power selflessly. His desire is for us to enjoy a loving relationship with him and each other within that kingdom. Presently, God's kingdom is not here in its fullness because God is tolerating the evil that is both in and around us to give us time to choose him. But God is not a good God if he tolerates evil forever. To fully establish a kingdom of love on earth, he will destroy evil at the end of this age. So this makes our time on earth the time that we decide who will be our life leader. Those who choose to trust God demonstrate this by following his way of love and having a personal relationship with him. So pause for a second and ask yourself, who is currently your life leader? So why is a life leader so important? What is the heart of the problem? It's this, anyone who mistrusts God's leadership ultimately trusts in themselves. And when we are self-centered, we hurt others. This is what the Bible calls sin. Sin is simply whatever breaks right relationship with God and others. As the prophet Isaiah said, your sinful acts have alienated you from God. Now this has both short-term and eternal consequences. As the New Testament also says, other people are selfish. They refuse to follow truth. They will be punished with eternal destruction, forever separated from the Lord. Now upon hearing this, it's easy to make excuses or to think, ah, we're not that bad. But the Bible says everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Therefore, God can't allow us to enter his kingdom. Our selfishness would destroy its goodness. So what about right now? Do you think that your sin and self-centeredness negatively affect your relationship with God and others? Whatever your answer, here is God's answer to our separation from him. He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, Jesus, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. God is fair, so our sin must be punished. But since God is also merciful, Jesus died in our place. God sent Jesus to take the punishment for our sins. We are made right with God when we believe that Jesus shed his blood, sacrificing his life for us. Now, no other God in history has died for our sin, no other God has risen from the dead. The Bible also says this is why God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. Through Jesus, we have a relationship with God that is based on his love, not our performance. 
God demonstrates his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So what do you think about Jesus suffering for your sins and offering you a personal relationship with God? So how do we have a relationship with God? Well, we do two things. We repent and believe. To repent means turning 180 degrees from our ways and instead begin to trust and follow God. It is choosing relationship with God over the fleeting pleasures of sin and self-centeredness. To believe and trust God looks like surrendering control. We don't enter God's kingdom by being good or by simply doing enough. We enter by practically trusting God to be our life leader. And after doing this, God responds to us in two ways. First, he forgives our sin. God removes all the barriers so we can be restored to him as a son or daughter. He then gives us his empowering spirit so we can love God and others. As God's spirit softens and fills our hearts, we joyfully begin to follow and trust his way of love. So pause again and ask yourself, what are the benefits of trusting God to be our life leader? Deciding to trust and follow Jesus is like a wedding where you say vows that express your heart. It can sound something like this. Father, I admit that my mistrust and sin have separated me from you and your kingdom. So I turn from my self-centeredness to follow Jesus as my life leader. I trust you to restore my relationship with you by paying for my sin and by giving me your spirit to love you and others. So after hearing that, one last question for you. Is there anything keeping you from praying this now? To help you grow in your relationship with God, we recommend downloading the Establish app and going through it with a Christian friend to see what source you will choose as your life leader. Isn't that incredible? Man, I love that. Every time I watch it, I love it. Um, I encourage you to get that and to uh, walk through with someone. It's just a great opportunity. So just like the movie illustration uh, from earlier, we have seen and possibly related to the message of Jesus that our kingdom, like we saw in the video, is broken. Uh, we've probably been served by his ministry. Um, you know, we've seen that there is a bigger thing going on, that we really do need bigger problems, bigger power, bigger plans. And so, and the message that we hear from there, uh, from the video is we need a better life leader. We need a better kingdom to live for. But what do we do with it? What do we do with it? Because there is a big difference between knowing and experiencing the Christian message, between knowing God and knowing God, right? There's a big difference. To illustrate this, when I was in Bible college, my first year, uh, there was a, it was a Friday night and there was a group of, you know, students who said, hey, let's go downtown of our city and let's go pray for people there. <coughs> Excuse me. Let's go pray for people in the city. So I said, I'm not doing anything better this Friday night, so let's go do it. So we went down and we were praying and it was great. And then at the end, we came together and we all prayed in a circle. And there was a girl there, one of my classmates, she started praying and was just giving the night to God. And she said, Dear Daddy, thank you for tonight. And I just like kind of paused and started shaking a little bit. I'm like, Daddy, 
Why is she saying dad? Like, this is God we're talking to. And then she said it again. Oh, daddy, you're so good. I'm like, oh, this is a little too much, too uncomfortable. What are you doing? And so I said to myself, if you say that one more time, I'm going to say something like I have to. And she just goes, and so again, daddy. And I said, stop, stop. And I interrupted the prayer and I looked at her and I said, sister, do you know who you're praying to? You're not praying to daddy. You're praying to the God of the universe. You're praying to the God who gives you breath to pray to him right now. He is sovereign. He is almighty. He is everlasting. He is all powerful, all knowing everywhere. And you're going you're to call him daddy. Where's the reverence? You need to pray to God. Shame on you for belittling him. He is huge. And you're trying to make him this shame on you. And she started crying. And you know what? I should have felt compassion. But I said, why don't you go pray to daddy about that? <laughs> it was terrible. Now, 10 years later, um, I was offered a trip to Israel. And I was excited because now all the stories that I got to hear in Sunday school, they're going to be like in real life. I get to be there. And so I'm on the plane. We're flying to Israel. And it's midnight. Everyone's trying to sleep. Everything's quiet. All of a sudden, I hear this noise coming down the aisle. Do, 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 do. And I looked and it was a little Hebrew boy. He had tripped, probably like three, four years old, tripped and was rolling down the aisle. And he was just kept going. And the only thing that stopped him was the refreshment cart. And he hit it. And I'm just looking like, is anyone else seeing this? Should I help? And all of a sudden, the little boy cries out, Abba, Abba, which means daddy in Hebrew. It means father. And when he screamed that and shouted that, I heard a louder noise. Doom, 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 doom. And it was the boy's father who ran after him and picked him up. And at that moment, my heart broke. I understood that God, yes, all powerful, above all, but he's with all. Even his kids who roll down the aisle, he's with them. And my heart began to break and I started crying and I accidentally woke up the Hebrew woman who was sitting next to me. Uh, she's a little elderly and she goes, what is wrong? I'm terrible with accents, but she's like, what is wrong? And I'm like, I get it. I get that God is my dad. He's my father. Like whenever I call on him, it, it's not for nothing. He's right there. I get it. She's like, that's good. That's good. Go, go to sleep. But isn't that incredible? Like at that moment, even though I knew God, I did not know God. I knew he had a kingdom. I knew he had a purpose, but I didn't know why that was. It was for his kids the kids that he would gladly run after. Because knowing God with here, with your heart, means that you have security and significance. It means I am safe and seen. And I realized that I was living for a kingdom that I could never build on my own, but it was built for me by the only one who could do that. You know, if you've watched recent interviews, especially interviews with Oprah, you would see that there is no perfect kingdom on this earth. It is still full of brokenness and selfishness and, and all of these things. 
But the message of Christ says that there is such a kingdom that is perfect for you because, not because of what you can bring and not because you need to be perfect, but because it already has a perfect king. And in this kingdom, what do we do? Like Jesus says, love God and love others. In this kingdom, we love others because they are loved by the king. And I get it. It's not easy to love people. Why? Because they're people. I know them very well. I am one. And it's not easy to love me sometimes. Um, and we don't do this perfectly all the time. But Father has given us his words, his wisdom, his heart, ways to discern what's actually going on. But how do you see the message of the kingdom of God as good news? How, how do you see this? Well, you subtract yourself. You subtract yourself. And th th this is something that has helped me, okay? It's a little math equation. I stole it from a book title. And you don't even have to read the book because the title just sums it up. Um, but here's the title of the book. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. I'll say that again. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Now you might be saying, uh, wait, that, that doesn't make sense. Because if you add nothing, it equals, hey, I went to Bible college, okay? That's how we do math. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Um, and you know what? The perfect example that I've seen of this is baptisms. When someone gets baptized, this is a real world example of somebody subtracting themselves and adding Christ to their life. Not just adding him, but saying, Jesus, take over. And it's incredible. Like, because what you're seeing is baptism is simply this. It's an, it's an outward expression of an inward reality. Meaning Jesus has done something to the heart. We get it. We know that our Father is running after us, and He is good, and He has our hearts. We know that, and so now we express it. We love others. We tell people about His kingdom and about who He is. We're just bragging about Daddy. Uh, I love it when my girls do that. They're, they'll tell their friends, hey, come meet my dad. I'm like, it's just me, but they're just proud of that, and that's what happens in baptism. People are saying, look who has changed my life. You're actually witnessing in baptism, you're witnessing a modern day miracle where people are saying no to the world and yes to God. And they're there simply because Jesus changed their heart. And they're not there for the people. They're there for an audience of one. They know that they are there because of who Jesus is. They're not in the tank because they've arrived or because they finally have it together or they're perfect. Actually, that's the knowing part. That's what is probably keeping some of us away from getting baptized if you've never been baptized. Because we're thinking, I haven't arrived yet. I, I don't know how to do this perfectly yet. But no, it's when we subtract that and say, it's Jesus. It's his work. It's his love. Um, even though these baptism candidates, when you look at this, you hear their testimonies where they've experienced pain or they're actually going through pain right now whether that's heartbreak, disease, rejection, whatever that pain is looking like, they are trusting Jesus fully. And you know what? One of the questions that you'll probably hear at a baptism is, um, is it your desire to follow Jesus all the days of your life? What a question. Like, uh, how do you answer that? Well, if you know who God is, you say yes, because you realize he is the only one that you need. Um, now, again, baptism is not a picture of what we can accomplish, but it's a reminder 
of what only Jesus can and has accomplished through the cross. As it says in Romans 6, verse 10, for the death he died, he being Jesus, he died to sin once and for all, but the life he lives, he lives to the Father. So you too consider yourselves to be dead in sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So how do we respond to this? How do you respond to the message of Jesus? Well, like what, how do you subtract that? What does that look like? Uh, this past week in our staff meeting, uh, Debbie Mitchell shared this verse, and I'm so glad she did. One, because it helped me write my sermon, but it was just such a fantastic um, and needed reminder of why we can do these things. And it's found in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And Paul says to the church of Galatia, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh I live by the faith, or I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, Paul, the author of the book of Galatians, is writing to, to the people there, and he's writing out of love and also out of frustration in hopes uh, to get his listeners away from the cultural mindset of what they think Christ's message should be and should look like. And he reminds them that the message of Christ is not just for their sake, but it's for the sake of of everyone. And it's only made possible through dying to self, not being identified by culture and opinions, but by, but by being identified by Christ alone. So how do you do that? How do you do that? Well, growing up in Southeast Asia, um, you know, whenever we would take transportation, uh, you could take a jeepney in the Philippines, or you could take a taxi cab. And whenever we would get in these taxi cabs, we would see on the dashboard that it was just cluttered, full of trinkets. And But if you look closely, these trinkets were actually little gods. They represented all religions. You had, uh, you name it, they had the little statue there. Now imagine, in your life, you're driving and here is how, here's how you drive. You just keep adding everything. So you look on the dashboard and you see, oh, I need a God for money who's going to give me finances. So I'll just put him there. I'll put some coins there. Uh, I need a God for protection. So I put a, a strong God there. I need a God for mercy. So I put a God there. And you put all these gods, you put all these things that you think you need. I, I, I need, you know, my popularity there. I need uh, this there. I need this habit there. I need all these things. And this is what's going to help me survive in my kingdom. But that's not the message of Christ. The message of Christ is not to add all the right things and then you're set. No, it's to, it's not even to get rid of everything and then just put Jesus there. You know, like, see, I've cleared everything and I've added Jesus. I'm good. No, that, that's not it either. The message of Christ is to clear that out, subtract it all, and add Jesus, not just on the dashboard, but in the driver's seat. You know, uh, I'm going to quote a country song. I'm so sorry, but Jesus, take the wheel, right? Like, I'm inviting him to say, Jesus, I need you, not just here. I need you here. I need your life to drive this thing, to show me how to live. Now, like a country song, <laughs> my fear of this message, the way that I've been speaking, honestly, my fear is that it's been too simple. Matt, you have skimmed over so much. Matt, you have forgotten so many things and how hard it is. And 
Yes, I probably have. But um, I'm reminded of why, why are we keeping this message so simple today? Like, why is it pretty simple? Well, one, <laughs> but why are we keeping it simple? Um, one of my, uh, a philosopher that I really enjoy, his name is Francis Schaeffer. And he said this quote uh, about 30 years ago. And he said, tell me what the world is saying today. And I'll tell you what the church will be saying in seven years. Now, when I hear that, tell me what the world is saying today, and I'll tell you what the church will be saying in seven years. Now, my optimistic side says, oh, wow, so just in a few years, we get to hear the world's problems, and then we really know what's going on, and we get to help them. Yeah, but that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is the world's message will go against the message of Christ, and it will be so loud, and it will sound profound, and it will sound like so urgent that the church will somehow be afraid to say the message of Christ because it's not intelligent enough, or it's not deep enough, it's not powerful enough. Actually, we need to add our own ideas. We need to add um, our own, you know, personalities or our own examples. Like we just need to spice it up a little bit better. Um, and that, no, <laughs> what we're doing there is we are adding to the message of Christ out of fear, anxiety, or we simply just don't know who God is yet. We haven't trusted that. We extend our care to the, to people, which is fantastic, but we forget the message of repentance of sin. That it's us that's stopping us to receiving God's kingdom. And we try to live for others, but we're supposed to die to ourselves and let Christ live through us. And, you know, whenever you share this message, you're actually leading someone to Christ, which is fantastic. So whenever you're sharing this message, here's what you're not doing. You're not sharing this message and saying that you will solve someone's marriage that you will solve um, someone's need for a job, that you will solve someone's happiness, that you will bring um, the prodigal children back to their parents. You're not saying that. You're not saying that you will solve the problems. You're saying that you have trusted your life to a better source, to a better relationship that will, in his grace and in his time, do what is right. Do what is best, and we trust him in that. And we follow together. We love God, and we love others. So the conclusion uh, of this, I just simply want to ask, what message are you listening to today? What message are you listening to? Are you listening to messages that, uh, that show you freedom? That, hey, you should uh, invest in this. You should own this. You should just do this, say no to this, say yes to this, because it will give you freedom. Well, the message of Christ says that you will find so much freedom in him because he knows exactly the freedom that you need. Uh, no longer do you have to be led by anxiety that you made the right choice or by fear or doubt. You get to be led in personal relationship with the one who died, rose again, and gave you freedom. Um, you know, are the messages that we're listening to about justice and peace and what we can do to bring that? Um, 
You know, there, there's so many helpful voices, but at the same time, a lot of these voices are individualistic, right? Um, this, uh, actually earlier, before preaching this, uh, I went over to a local high school with Matthew Patterson, a student there, and with uh, Connor Bishop, and we were just praying for Matthew's school. And as I was walking there, I saw hundreds of students walking by, and it looked like Instagram and social media had come to life. <laughs> I saw everything that I see on social media, it was here. I saw fashion, I saw hairdos, I saw people doing little dances. Sorry that you have to witness that. Uh, I saw all these things coming to life. And one, I saw that things are influential, that people are listening to messages. However, you pick and choose the message that you want and what you get it, there may be some beauty in it, but it's just a bunch of individuals. But then it was interesting. I'm walking past all these people to go meet with two other individuals because of the message of Christ. And we sat there in the courtyard and we prayed. And yeah, we may look like individuals. We, we may look different, but the message is the same one that we're depending on, that Matthew is praying for his school that people would hear the message of Christ, not the message of the world, that they would receive um, the justice and all the things that they are wanting for their lives, that they would receive it from Christ. Um, also, other messages we may be hearing is, you know, like retirement or when do I get mine? When do I finally get paid for all the, you know, all the stuff that I've done in life? When do I get to receive that? And the message of Christ is, Rest and reward is only found in Christ, not just for this life, but for eternity. It may look busy. It may look hard and repetitive, but God is good and he is with you every step of the way. Because, just as Paul said, it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ in me. And so as we close today, this is probably where I would give application. But instead of that, I'd love to give implication. What would it look like? Or what will it not look like if we don't live this message out? If we don't show others? If we don't let Christ behind the wheel and driving our life? What will that look like? What will we miss out on? What will others miss out on? If, uh, if you could just pray for me. Or excuse me. <laughs> yeah, please pray for me. But if you could pray with me at this time. Heavenly Father, we come before you now, and Lord, my prayer is that this message is so powerful, yet sometimes it sounds too simple, because we say, yeah, that may work for you, but I actually have real problems. But God, I think what's happened is that we're just thinking of those problems and thinking of solutions that only... Uh, that we can think of that would benefit ourselves and benefit us. But actually, God, you give us bigger problems that only you can provide the answers for. That it would literally take your presence in our life to solve that problem, to see what it's for. And so, God, I lift up my friends who are listening right now. Lord, we are listening to messages, messages that give us hope, life, answers to the big questions that we're wanting. But God, you've been speaking before all of that. 
God, we are reminded that we serve a God who has been speaking and is not afraid of what he says. You haven't gone back and changed the Bible. No, you have said it because it's true and we need it. And so God, today, I pray wherever we are that we would receive your message for the first time, for the hundredth time. You're good. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.